0: Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars, welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate here with you today, Alexis Jung. Now, Alexis is someone that I met going way back 2018. I remember meeting her at the UAC conference, which is like the Olympics of astrology conferences. So, it's this massive event that happens every four to six years. And that's where I met Alexis. And right away, I could see this love for astrology, this enthusiasm and this brightness. So when I was putting together another speaker series, she was one of the people that I knew I wanted to come and teach at Synchronicity University. And so Alexis is going to be joining us for the July speaker series 2022 at Synchronicity University, alongside other brilliant celebrated astrologers, And you have just a few days left from the time that this publishes to choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class, which is an unheard of rate to learn from this caliber of astrologer as you are about to see. Alexis, welcome. Thank you for being here.
1: Gosh, I feel so flattered to be invited, honored to be here. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about what I want to talk about. So my class is going to be a little bit different because a lot of other classes may talk about concepts or like theories or like ways to practice astrology. As I've grown older um, and I have participated more in the astrology community, um, maybe it's because of my BA in philosophy, but my questions are usually like, how should you do astrology or how to to do astrology? And that's kind of what I want to talk about in my talk about how to do astrology when you're nihilistic. And the world sucks.
0: I um, love it, I love and
1: it. I mean, I'm gonna be really honest. The world really sucks. Um, well, it sucks now, but like it's sucked for a long time. But I don't think people realized how much the world sucked until 2020, with that you know lovely Saturn Pluto conjunction that happened in January. So I feel like with the pandemic, astrology has become so popular because in a time where Answers are a lot harder to come by when things are so much more uncertain. A lot of people have come to astrology, and astrology has become super popular during this day and age. And as I'm looking around, it's kind of interesting to see how astrology is flourishing during a capitalistic society. Now, what I've noticed throughout the years, uh, I'll be referencing a few works about this, is that with capitalism and like a lot of other economies, the way to market and the way to sell is through meaning. The way to sell in this economy is to sell through meaning. So for example, I have my iPhone. In reality, it's just an iPhone. But we know that if you watch an Apple commercial, you guys have seen the Apple commercials. It's very much like, look, cutting edge technology. This thing will give you the experiences that you have been wanting to capture better than any other device out there. or I think the example that I love to use, no offense to those who love Dove, but like Dove is just soap. Dove is just shampoo. But how you see Dove being marketed is Dove is the feminist product that every woman should use for female empowerment when it's just soap. So with that being said, I wanna talk about how, you know, astrology is affected by this because as astrologers, We are basically individuals who look at the sky, we see the planetary patterns, and we're like, okay, we're going to make meaning and maybe either help people, research, or predict. But we live in an economy where people do the exact same thing, but sometimes those meanings could be twisted into something, either something very exploitative or something that's not very honest. And for some, you know, for a field like astrology, honesty is something that we all should strive for so a lot of this talk is going to be about me talking about whether you can live as an astrologer who's nihilistic i am nihilistic i can hope that with my arguments you can be nihilistic and still do astrology because technically if you look at the two by side by side you would argue why would you do astrology if you're nihilistic because you think life has no meaning you know if life truly had no meaning there's two things that you could do you could sit there and be like, OK, life has no meaning, which means nothing matters, which means, you know, whatever delineations I make, it's fine because there's no meaning to it. So therefore, I have no consequences. What I would like to kind of suggest is if life truly had no meaning and you had all of the power to make your life meaningful, what would you do? And why would you do it? And If this meaning were to be sold around, whether it be on a website, in a consult, in the market, what would you do with that? In other words, what would you do with the weight of meaning as an astrologer? So hopefully that kind of, I mean, it was a lot of ideas all over the place, but um, hopefully that gives you guys a great idea on what I am hoping to
0: talk about. And so it's exciting to me that you bring the philosophical side because um, I love philosophy. Like I have a Sag Moon. And also, I don't know if you know as much about my background story, but basically um, when I was growing up, my parents and especially my dad, he really, really like had the full intention for me to be prime minister of Canada. Like that was the goal. And so I was constantly raised with this message, like you are going to be prime minister, you are going to be prime minister. So when I started out um, as an undergrad, I started in social justice. And so I was taking those, all these different social justice courses, but about halfway through, I kind of started feeling like there's something more, there's something deeper. Like I just felt like people vote according to the zeitgeist, right? They vote according to the spirit, according to what they are feeling, according to their heart. It isn't necessarily a process that has to do with policy and what makes sense on an intellectual level. And I think that this is something that we know, certainly it's been proven. And I also want to say that policy is valuable. Like there are people who are called to it and it has its place and that's wonderful. But I was a lot more interested in what's happening on that level of people's hearts and so halfway through I switched to philosophy and then I would go on to do my master's with uh, the faculty of religious studies at the University of Kent and it was cosmology and divination so it it was very like heavy on uh, astrology but it was from a religious studies perspective you know and so I totally get having that more philosophical side, right? That philosophical orientation, which is why I was really and am really excited about what topic you're going to be bringing. So let me ask you, what brought you to this journey of seeing the world and wanting to explore the world philosophically? Like what brought you there? What does that mean to you? And how do you see astrology fitting into that personally for you? So when it came to seeing the
1: world that the way that I see it, first of all, when I was a child, I did not know that philosophizing was a thing. I did not even know that was a word. And then as I grew up, I was like, oh, philosophers, that's only for smart people like Socrates. He's probably the smartest person I know. That can't be me. But then like I would, you know, casually just sit and be like, why does this happen? Or why is this happening? And no one has said anything about it. And then I realized, I mean, I was kind of like you, where I was um, an undergrad. I did not start with philosophy. I was actually an undergrad in biology because, you know, I was pursuing every immigrant daughter's dream of becoming um, pre-med. But then I realized I was like, well, my heart's not in this. My heart's in the world. I want to know about the world. I want to know why it works. I want to know, you know, the the like. I guess the inner forces that are working in the world, because like, I feel like things are not as they seem. And that's when I transferred to, to um, philosophy, and I actually got into philosophy around the same time that I got into astrology. So it was like when I was twenty; it was like a ninth house reflection year. It was like the stars were like it's it's time. And you know, the way that I use astrology to kind of see how the world is with philosophy is that I would like to think that astrology is celestial hermeneutics. I think as human beings we cannot literally live without language. Language is our ability to piece things together, to look at patterns, um, to even communicate with each other. We would not be talking together if not for language. And I feel like astrology is one of those ways of, of understanding the world. And it's a very unique kind of language. And how I've kind of, you know, put that into philosophy is that what I personally like to do is kind of put different pieces of philosophy into astrology. Um, Like, for example, a long time ago, I was like, can you be a Marxist and also be into astrology? And I kind of like entertain the notions of that, um, especially because like, you know, astrology, especially like Hellenistic, it started off as Stoicism, Neoplatonism. And like, my journey has been about, hey, what if I put this philosophical tradition with this astrology? happens if you go all the way down because you know at the end of the day you know astrology is a fascinating subject for sure but I believe that the only reason why astrology is so fascinating as it is is because the astrologers are the fascinating ones it's not the astrology it's the astrologers and human beings that's why astrology is cool
0: not because of the actual stars it's because of us so wow and so Astrology is cool or astrology is fascinating because of the way in which the astrologer imbues meaning on the sky. Yeah. Like, you know, the theme of Monday is cool, but whoever made the theme of Monday, even cooler. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I've always thought about how we are having a relationship with the sky. And yes, interpretation is an expression of that relationship. Because ultimately, I am of the belief that we are interpreting symbols, and that is an act of poetry. To be an astrologer is to align that part of the brain that poets um, utilize. There are some systems of astrology that are a lot more formulaic, a lot more technically oriented, and yet you can't have astrology without the astrologer. And that's Mm -hmm. part of what makes astrology that much more fascinating. You can really see someone's worldview when you look at how they interpret the sky, isn't it? Oh yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Like, I think you could learn a lot about somebody based on the way that they look at the sky and they and they say whatever they want to say. Like that, in a way, kind of gives you, you know, how they think, um, where their mind usually goes to and a little bit about who they are as a person. And that to me is fascinating as an astrologer.
0: Yeah, I, even a lot of what, who they are as a person, right? Like how they make sense of the world, put it that way. Like you mm-hmm. can see so much of their belief. Now it's interesting, you you mentioned Socrates. So two things came to mind when you mentioned that. So one thing was, well, more than one thing or more than two things. Um, when I was an undergrad, I had to read like Plato every single year, right? It's just one of those things. And I remember having to read Plato's Apology every single year. And basically for those who are, maybe not as familiar, or maybe need a refresher. Um, Plato's apology is basically Socrates. And Socrates is talking about why he did what he did, so that um, he made the decisions and had the actions that he did, that have now landed him in hot water. So basically, the people, the rulers of Athens, wanted uh, him to die, they wanted him to drink poison, they were sentencing him to death. And basically, they were sentencing him to death for corruption of youth. And so the reason, the real reason is that he just ticked off a lot of really powerful people. And he ticked them off because he would talk to people in a way, and he would question them in a way that we now call the Socratic method. But he would question them in a way that made them feel really dumb. And so People didn't like that. They wanted him gone. And and basically, they had a sham trial. And so he ends up like stating his case. Now, what is so fascinating about this is that as an undergrad, every year I had to read the Apology. It wasn't until I got to graduate school that I was able to understand from a different perspective what Socrates was actually saying. So what Socrates says in the Apology is that He went to Delphi, right? So anybody can still go to Delphi. And he went to Delphi and he got a prophecy. So back in the day, this was like a pilgrimage site. And he went there and the prophetess told him that he was the most intelligent man in the world. And he just didn't believe it. And because he didn't believe it, he walked around questioning people, wanting somebody to be more intelligent than him, but he just couldn't find it. And that's why he did everything that he did. Now, so much of the apology and the people who look at it focus on the way in which he questioned people. But it wasn't until I was in graduate school that we brought a focus to the fact that he received a prophecy. He received a prophecy. He put such weight on the prophecy and he wanted to deny this divinely inspired message so much that he ended up creating this situation for himself. And so it's a whole other way to understand the apology. But when you look at these divinely inspired messages, and I know, look, we are astrologers. We don't like to think of ourselves as that, but really the the historical foundation up until very recently in human history was that we are conduits to higher messages, if you will, right? We are the voice of of the gods, if you will. And even though we have a lot more humility now, we know that isn't the case. And thankfully, there's a lot more equality. We don't have to be in that space. It's fascinating that somewhere deep within our collective unconscious, we may still see the astrologer that way, as somehow being a conduit to some otherworldly type of message that might find us. Um, Now, the other thing I wanted to share was that one of Plato's works called Timaeus had a huge uh, effect on me. And it's basically this understanding or or more mystical understanding of the creation of the cosmos. So much so that one of my books uh, called The Body and the Cosmos literally like takes the ideas of Plato and combines it to an astrological zodiac. So all this nerdy philosophical stuff you're talking about, it's like right up my alley. I love it so much. And so as I share all this with you, I'm wondering about what your thoughts are of what Socrates did in terms of the prophecy that he received and how he went about orienting himself to the world. How does that play out in terms of us as astrologers? Because when we're looking at a chart, it's kind of like a type of way in which to open ourselves to a different wisdom, if you will, right? We can call it a higher sphere, a deeper sphere, it is in some way divination is to divine ourselves. And very often we will make choices and decisions from what it is that we see in a chart or what it is that an astrologer might tell us. And so how do you feel about that? What do you, how do you understand your role as an astrologer and the way in which you might orient yourself to the chart? So when it comes to like astrologers being conduits to like to
1: the to the divine, I feel like astrologers nowadays, especially modern day astrologers, we're kind of in a tough spot because like we can't just say, oh, we're conduits of like the divine because people are going to look at us and either be like, OK, you're a little arrogant or a little too woo woo for me. But then if we do actually agree with it, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're like conduits of the divine. You know, some people may take that and be like, oh okay, that means I'm an influencer. That means you have to listen to me. I'm a guru now because I talk to the divine and you don't. Or you have other people being like, oh, since I'm a conduit of the divine, I'm going to keep my craft a secret and then kind of gatekeep and kind of keep my craft a secret. Like with an astrologer, like with the profession of astrologer in particular, there are so many roadmaps that you can go to. And like some of them aren't suitable. And it's really hard for us in our current spot to be like, okay, our job. Is to basically talk to the planets see what they're talking about and then talk about it with other people how do we do that in a way that is ethical uh, applicable to modern society and how do we do that in such a way where we are not manipulating people's craving and needs for meaning because at the end of the day you know whether people want to admit it or not people need astrologers because You know, even though you can, you know, be too overwhelmed by meaning in your life and you make a meaning out of everything, people do need meaning to kind of go on in their lives. It doesn't make people weak, it's just what makes us human. And as astrologers, we dispense those meanings and meaning, we have a responsibility to dispense meaning that is actually truly helpful. We're not just, you know, dispensing meaning to pay rent, we're dispensing meaning because we want people to feel more human than they were before. So, you know, when it comes to your question of, like, you know, how does the astrologer fit into the conduit of, like, you know, being a messenger for the divine, I mean, I feel like we are messengers, and I think because we are messengers, we better check what, what the print says and the fine print before we send it out.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, it it comes with a lot of responsibility. And at the same time, I think it's important for us to have humility that we are not, Okay, yes, we can open ourselves, but ultimately the message that we receive is going to be rooted in whom it is that we are. And that's going to say a whole lot about how we interpret the sky. It isn't the ultimate truth. And I think when astrologers or anybody starts thinking that they know the ultimate truth, that's when, I mean, that is a big sign that maybe this is someone that you need to be careful of. (laughs) Maybe you need to run the other way, you know, because ideally... If you come to the chart with humility, you know, I'm reminded of what the Sufi mystic Ibn Arabi said with astrology. If you're lucky, you get a glimpse, like that's it. You get a glimpse into the mystery at certain moments of practicing astrology. But to understand the the great truth is not for us to know because we are human. And I think it actually serves people who may be our clients or our audience or our viewers, or our listeners, it actually can serve them even better when we remind them that this is about their journey and them remembering sacred truths about themselves. It it makes that moment of interpretation that much more meaningful for everybody involved. Now, you said something that I really loved. You talked about um, how we imbue meaning. You know, I was reminded of how It was Sigmund Freud. So Sigmund Freud was an atheist, and he said that the reason we um, as human beings will be drawn to religion is the same reason we'll be drawn to things like astrology is because we as human beings cannot accept what he called the cruelty of fate, right? So that was his term, the cruelty of fate. And that in order to truly become an adult on a psychological level, We have to accept that life can be cruel, that there's a cruelty of fate playing out and to just surrender to that understanding as part of being able to address life with greater maturity. Now, I think, and I think that you do as well based on what you just said, but I don't think we are meant to just surrender and accept the cruelty of fate. I think that we as human beings are meant to make meaning out of our experiences, especially those experiences that are painful, especially those experiences that feel cruel, that feel like the cruelty of fate. And it's in cultivating meaning that we bring forward those traits that most define what it is to be human. It's a powerful thing to consider how astrology helps us with that as well. Mm hmm. I mean,
1: what Freud said is actually pretty nihilistic in the sense of like, you know what? You know, truth is, life sucks. You got to accept it, surrender. You're human, you're weak, just take it. And like, and it's funny because for me as a nihilist, I do agree with that. Like, yeah, life is out of, of our control. And like, because of that, like things happen to us and we can't control that. We have to learn how to accept things that happen to us. But the thing is, in my personal opinion as a nihilist, We're not here to live an accurate life. I'm here to live an interesting life. And life is not interesting if there's no meaning. So, I mean, this is kind of part of my talk too, where it's like, look, I'm a nihilist, but even if I make meaning in my life, and even if it doesn't mean anything, or even if it's not really accurate or true, it's my meaning. It makes my life interesting. And even if it's wrong, it's mine. So therefore, so like with that also, I mean, while nihilism is very, you know, I would agree with that, like, you know, life sucks. But on the other hand, it's like, yes, life sucks. I'm not gonna like, you know, sugarcoat that. But like, that doesn't mean you just have to stop and accept. You can just do whatever whatever you want. And making meaning is what I
0: would like to suggest too. So I totally agree with that sentiment. That's so beautiful. Well, Alexis, thank you so much. And again, everybody out there, You can get a whole lot more of this philosophical exploration. We really have saved the best for last as part of the July 2022 Speaker Series at Synchronicity University because it is going to be Alexis who wraps up the July Speaker Series by dipping into August with us. And so, yes, check out if it is that you sign up before the end of June, which is just a few days from now. You can choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class to learn from truly brilliant astrologers alive today, like Alexis. Alexis, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm really looking forward to your talk. No, thank you, Nadia. I am honored to be a part of the series. No, oh, thank you. And thank you, everybody out there for watching. And until we connect again, take care. Bye. Bye.